Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. The Puerto Rican people are probably the most educated energy consumers in the entire world. They had first world demand for electricity and then suddenly third world supply. Hey there, solar warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, Warrior, and welcome to another Tactical Tuesday, a short-form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career. It's been about 30 episodes since we had a Tactical Tuesday way back in December with Christian Roseland, so I hope that you do enjoy this one, which is geared to helping you both understand the world of policy and how it relates to your day-to-day operations, as well as tee up this coming Thursday's episode with Sunrun's Chief Policy Officer, Han Hoskins. Well, this week, Chris Rauscher, Director of Policy and Storage Market Strategy, joins me to discuss the pivotal role policy plays and the similarities in policy and business development jobs. Chris was and continues to be a key player in Sunrun's first-of-its-kind win in the regional ISO auction this last year using Solar Plus Storage for distributed energy resources. And he is a source of great insight into the strategies being deployed to increase solar and storage penetration by the top company doing so in the United States. You can find more Tactical Tuesdays on topics like bifacial and perk modules, flow batteries, operations and maintenance, hiring, and much more over on mysuncast.com. While you're there, check out our Suncast tribe and become a member of our inner circle of solar warriors and trusted advisors. You can click on that member button to learn more. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Today we have Chris Rauscher, the Director of Policy and Storage Market Strategy for Sunrun, and is responsible for the Northeast and Caribbean affairs and markets, focusing on storage, virtual power plants, and wholesale markets. Chris, I'm excited to have you on Suncast today. Yeah, thanks, Nico. I appreciate you having me on. Look forward to the discussion. Absolutely. As you know, when I was in discussion with Anne, one of the things that I really wanted to understand and that we're going to talk about a bit today, you know, this ISO market in New England that you guys recently won the bid for. And she looked across the table and she says, don't ask me, ask Chris. So here we are. I want to look at the 30,000 foot level where policy really does become the tip of the spear. And you come at this you know, not from a solar background, but, you know, you worked on, on policy for a congressman as an energy policy advisor. Perhaps we start there. Help me understand just culturally how policy is helping drive all of this. And then I'd like to discuss how Sunrun and many other solar companies utilize the policy team as the point of entry for business development and what I, I like to think of as market entry or market making. As you mentioned, Nico, before I came to Sunrun, I worked in the U.S. Senate as an energy policy advisor for Senator King from Maine, and he has a lot of experience in energy. He actually started an energy conservation company 
in the late 70s after PURPA was passed. We'd call that energy efficiency now, but they call it energy conservation. And he sold contracts for megawatts to the utility. This was late 70s, early 80s. No way. Megawatts in the 70s and 80s. That was pioneering. Yeah, it was. And, and the utility said, hey, that's nice. Why don't you stop doing it? We'll buy the company from you. <laughs> wow. So he sold the company and then was a very successful two-term governor and independent and oversaw the deregulation of the energy market in his state, but also you know working together with, with all the other states. And then after he was governor and before he ran for the Senate, he was actually a wind developer. So he had this sort of like comprehensive soup to nuts experience and background in energies. So yeah, as you mentioned, Nico, I'm director of policy and storage market strategy at Sunrun, which is a a title I totally made up and which uh, Uh Ann Hoskins, the chief policy officer, was fortunate enough to uh, give to me. And it does capture the, the work I do because I'm squarely on the policy team, but I interface a lot with both our business development team and with our grid services team. And the grid services team is the, I think, you know, we, we, we've got a really strong leadership position in the industry in large part recently because of the grid services team. That's the team that runs all the strategy on wholesale market participation, on aggregation, on different battery products, time of use rates, uh, that sort of thing. So I, I interface a lot with them and have been doing that a lot with them uh, in Puerto Rico. So, you know, you, you describe policy as the tip of the spear. And I think our participation in Puerto Rico sort of really points to that. We started getting involved just a couple of weeks after Hurricane Maria because we, we sort of saw devastating need for energy solutions in Puerto Rico. And we felt like we had a role to play there and that we could help even in just some small part. So there was a, a core of us at the company that, that really wanted to do something. Uh, and fortunately, we've got fantastic leadership in the form of Lynn Jurich, our CEO. And she uh, said, guys and, and gals, go go and do something good here. And so we joined up with a nonprofit called Empowered by Light and a local company in Puerto Rico named Areco. And we started doing donated solar and storage installations on on fire stations so they could run their, at least their critical communications devices. And when I first started going down, just, just a couple of weeks after the hurricane, it was, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a couple of us solar people. And then it was all of these big burly guys in bulletproof vests and carrying guns and, you know, working for FEMA and contractors for, for the federal government. And it also sort of pointed out how important reliable energy is for, for everyone. And we did that nonprofit work through that fall and winter after the hurricanes. And sort of through that work, we realized that the regular demand for solar and storage in Puerto Rico was some of the highest demand that we've seen you know, anywhere in the country. I like to say that the Puerto Rican people are probably the most educated energy consumers in the entire world. They had first world demand for electricity, and then suddenly third world supply. So before the hurricane, everyone has their AC and their dishwasher, computers, and then suddenly they they didn't have electricity. Uh, Some people even for as long as, as nine months. So through that blackout, people learned what a kilowatt was, what a kilowatt hour was, how to change the oil on a generator. Even more importantly, Everyone learned the the value to their life of reliable electricity. 
through that nonprofit work and then, you know, through all of our, our, our policy work, trying to figure out who the stakeholders were and, and how we fit in, that led to market entry in June of the year following the hurricanes. Well, Chris, let's unpack a little bit uh, the specifics, the tactics that you utilized. You hadn't really been involved in Puerto Rico personally up until then. Help me understand how you were thinking about the first trip down, how you prepared for it, how you ultimately found Javier Rua, who's your head of policy in Puerto Rico now on your team, and why that was important, the direction that you took there. I'm also curious, as you explain this, the way that you interface with the grid services team and the sales team, who ultimately have to carry out an execution plan on how to make something of the market once you've developed the policy that helps them move forward. I think working on the policy team has to be one of the most challenging teams to work on, but but probably also the most rewarding. And Puerto Rico sort of really points that up. But it's no different in Puerto Rico than it would be in, in Massachusetts or anywhere else that we do work. The core of what the policy team does is figure out who all the stakeholders are, develop relationships with those stakeholders, and then figure out how the company fits in. So in Puerto Rico, what that meant, and I should back up too, I, I, I didn't do anything professionally in Puerto Rico before the hurricanes, but I'm a surfer and, and um, have long gone down to Puerto Rico on, on surf trips. So I, I had a uh, I had a connection to the island and, and, and really loved the place and, and its people. So I was doubly motivated to get Sunrun involved there. Really, it, it just was a series of conversations. You know, if I was getting paid per conversation, I'd be a, a millionaire by now because it was just jumping on the phone and emailing anyone and everyone who had some vague connection to the energy industry in Puerto Rico. And through those conversations, you know, through working with partners like uh, IRECO, and then a lot of uh, foundations on the nonprofit side from the Rocky Mountain Institute to the Rockefeller Foundation, who played key convening roles and putting everyone in a room together. We worked for about seven months, kind of quietly behind the scenes, developing those relationships with the stakeholders and finding where we fit in before we ever you know, said anything publicly about scoping the market or anything like that. For me, it, that meant developing relationships with people in the governor's office, developing relationships with people in the legislature, getting to know all the people who led the, the Puerto Rican companies that install solar and storage. And there's quite a robust ecosystem, as you know, Nico, of solar and storage installers down there. And then having many, many conversations with policymakers in D.C., both in, in Congress and in what we call the federal family. So DOE, FEMA, and HUD, putting all the pieces together and working with the business development team to scope what a market entry could look like. You started to say having many conversations about how, and then you jumped to the policymakers piece. I'm curious, what were those conversations about? Primarily about what is the future of the electricity in Puerto Rico? What is it going to look like? Is it going to be all LNG? Is it going to be status quo? Is it going to be solar and storage? And trying to figure out the tension between rebuilding the grid so that everyone has electricity as soon as possible and rebuilding the grid in a way that sets Puerto Rico up for the long term of the renewable future that everyone sees is coming. And you know, what is Sunrun's role in that? And so as part of the market entry work, you know, Sunrun partnered with the three largest on-island installers. So Maximo, Windmar, and uh, New Energy. 
And it, this is a really great story of the, the Sunrun model because we don't come in and sort of like displace the local ecosystem or the local installers. We, we come in, we partner with them, we provide our financing, we provide our system design tools, our software, our supply chain, and then our partners in most cases, in, or in the case of Puerto Rico, do sales and, and installs. And so it's a really great way to bring sort of mainland capital and a mainland federal tax credit that cannot otherwise be used in Puerto Rico because they don't have federal tax liability and mainland supply chain and then help grow the local economy there. So, you know, part of my role was getting to know all of those installers and kind of figuring out how they fit into the, to the Puerto Rico solar and storage industry, pushing those people toward the business development team at Sunrun to, to work on partnerships. I should say too, sort of an amazing thing happened a few months after the hurricane and that was a guy named PJ Wilson <laughs> deciding <laughs> to move to Puerto Rico and try to start up a solar and storage industry association. PJ is not Puerto Rican. He didn't even speak fluent Spanish. I was like, what is this guy doing? We worked with him and a number of other companies like, like Sonnen and then uh, all the local companies I mentioned and stood up an association that is now the newest national SIA affiliate. And... Uh, it's called Puerto Rico CESA, the Solar and Energy Storage Association. And they have actually become one of the most robust chapters of SIA over the last year or so and, and was really successful in helping to shape the 100% renewable bill that became law a few months ago. Hey, are you still managing your solar development portfolio in Excel? I'll forgive you if you are, but if you've been slogging along, waiting for the perfect software solution to aid you in the transition to a true database platform, then you're in luck. My friends at FTC Solar created Atlas, a bit to scratch their own itch, but they then realized that they created something any developer can use. It's an enterprise-level, customizable database platform designed to support renewable energy project development. Accessible anywhere there's an internet connection, Atlas includes elements of CRM, project management, data storage, and finance in a single package that is solar-ready out of the box. With all the Atlas platform has to offer, it's no wonder solar developers are ditching the spreadsheets and switching to Atlas to manage their project portfolio. If you want to learn more and request your free trial, please head over to go.ftcsolar.com forward slash suncast. You could also just click on that FTC Solar banner at mysuncast.com. We do have to recognize too that PJ didn't live through the hurricane. So he was able to come down with a single-minded focus and say, hey, I want to help help organize. And the organizing I want to do is around the solar and storage industry and help give a voice. All of the folks who are in the Puerto Rico solar and storage ecosystem, they all lived through the hurricane. And they were both trying to put the pieces together for the energy industry and also for their lives. In the work that I've done down there, it has just been, I mean, really life-changing for me to, 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 to spend time with everyone and hear the stories of what, what the impact the hurricane had on their lives, you know, from someone whose mother unfortunately passed away to someone else who um, decided to move their entire family to Florida and, and still run a business in Puerto Rico. So the Puerto Rican people have to be given a ton of credit, I think, for a couple of things. One, I never personally felt unsafe, even right in the immediate aftermath of the hurricane down in Puerto Rico, I felt more unsafe flying from Miami, <laughs> you know, being in Miami to go to the airport than I did in Puerto Rico. And I think that's a testament to the culture of the Puerto Rican people. And then two, their amazing 
resilient ability to put their island and their lives and the energy infrastructure back together in a really adverse situation. And not only back together, but to change this into an opportunity for leadership for the entire country. So if you now look at the bill that the legislature passed and the governor supported, I mean, that is really some of the best bedrock solar and storage policy in the entire country. And that, that came out of the, out, of the, out of the hurricane. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of states in the country that are not facing any sort of adversity like that and can't get their act together to uh, re-up an RPS, for example. Yeah, I thought it was remarkable. In the same week, almost the same day, the exact opposite corners, you know, unfortunately, it could have been better if it were Alaska, but Washington State and Puerto Rico committed in remarkable ways, and both with legislation that is going to be considered kind of bedrock best practice for the rest of the U.S. territory and U.S. states. I also want to highlight some of the leadership that has come from your organization and a lot of your hard blood, sweat, and tears work. But again, when I asked Dan, gosh, I really want to understand better how this came about. You guys, uh, you know, you won this auction for capacity in a market where solar and storage hasn't been used for capacity before. And she looked across the table and said, you got to ask Chris. So here we are. Chris, would you set the table for me how this even became a thing inside of Sun Edison? And I might say that it's not a new notion or a new thought within the solar industry. Many have been talking about the work that Sunrun and Vivint were doing in California for years, integrating storage into your, your solar play. I think it came out of, for many, out of left field that it happened in New England first. So the New England ISO, the New England Independent System Operator, is the wholesale market operator for the six New England states. And that came out of uh, the deregulation of the energy markets in New England, the, the restructuring in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so the ISO is responsible for many things, but they're responsible for running markets to ensure that the region has enough generating capacity to meet demand in the future. And what that looks like is running an auction every year called the Ford Capacity Auction that secures supply commitments from generators and market participants uh, like demand response resources to provide that capacity three years out in the future. So what Sunrun did, what we did was we bid into this last Ford capacity auction this, this past winter using an aggregate bid of 20 megawatts of residential solar and storage that we will tie together with software and, and dispatch. And it'll be providing the capacity resource just like a you know, natural gas generator or coal or oil generator would, a centralized power plant. It does not rely on the same amount of transmission distribution infrastructure, so it's, so it's, it's overall cheaper. Number two, it doesn't have line losses, right? So we're actually providing more energy, which is really fascinating. And then number three, we're the only resource in the market that can provide this grid service when the system is up. And then when the entire system, should the entire system black out, if we have a huge snowstorm or ice storm or uh, God forbid a hurricane, our resources will be providing critical backup power to our customers in their homes. So for me, this is, this is a really exciting proof point of, of the future, providing that wholesale value down at the retail level while also preserving backup power for, for our customers. So what this will look like is, is roughly 5,000 homes spread through the region and dispatched together for peak times when the system operator needs it. You said at the beginning, Nico, that 
policy is the tip of the spear and, and looking at Puerto Rico is a pretty good lens for the tip of the spear. But this is also a really good example for the role of policy. I have to give credit to my my direct boss, Evan Duby. He has been at Sunrun, I think, for six or seven years. And as you know, Nico, six or seven years in solar years is really, you know, a couple of centuries <laughs> because in that time there's been many companies that no longer exist anymore and people cycle into the industry and out. But he was alone defending policy throughout the Northeast and throughout um, the whole East Coast for many, many years. And so he deserves, he and people like him who have been around for a while deserve a lot of credit because without him, there would not have been interconnection regimes, there would not have been net metering, there would not have been the basic market platform that we use to build our systems. And then we would not have been able to add storage on and we would not have been able to aggregate and bid into the wholesale market. So even though this is a new innovative thing that we've just done, it is a it's a very long policy burn that represents committed resources and time from the policy team for for many years. You know, and Anne said in our interview that it's worth noting, because I had suggested like, oh, this is going to perhaps tie into existing customers, etc. And or you guys are going to now have the, the sort of the dry powder to go out and build these systems. But a lot of what you're doing is stuff that's already in your forecast and stuff that's already work that is going to be there, which is part of why you won it. Is that accurate? You're seeing Sunrun and companies like us. We're blurring the line between solar and storage, mm-hmm. right? So increasingly, the attachment rate of storage to solar is getting very, very high. There's some utilities in California that that are um, above 50%, I believe. And then in places like Hawaii and Puerto Rico, we never install standalone solar. It's always paired with, with storage. If you looked at sort of the market projections in New England, you would have seen this solar and storage fleet get built out anyway to meet the customer demand. So the bid into the wholesale market is an incremental value that we're able to provide to our customers in the form of lower pricing and actually to the whole region because we helped lower the market clearing prices because we were able to bid in at a, uh, at a low clearing price, which helps to bring down auction costs for everyone. Then you also ask, what does this mean for the future? And what I'll say there is that we are the first company in the country to do a wholesale market bid anywhere with an aggregation of solar and storage and the first to do a residential aggregation. But we won't be the last. Now that we've done this in, in New England, we hope that other market operators are able to adjust their rules to make the pathways more realistic for bids like ours. And we know that other companies will also be, be bidding in the future. And that's really, that's really a win for, for every rate payer because it's going to help bring down costs and make the system more resilient. And at the end of the day, that encompasses the core of the work, not only for Chris and the policy team at Sunrun, but for all of us in the solar industry and the renewable industry, as we transition away from fossil fuels and do our best on every level to influence the regulation, the policy, the mindset, the education, and the intention embodied in the market to move towards renewable energy. Chris Rauscher is Director of Policy and Storage Market Strategy for Sunrun, and it has been a genuine joy and pleasure to have you on Suncast to dispel the myths and help us understand how policy works. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks, Nico. Hope to uh, see you again in Puerto Rico soon. All right, Warriors, was I right? I promised you that this one was going to be informative, and I hope that you've come away with some insights and actions to improve your own business and career. 
Now, if you did, I'd love it if you'd share with someone on social media. And while you're at it, please tag me at N-I-C-O-M-E-O on Twitter and Nico Johnson on LinkedIn. And if you need any confirmation that tuning in to the next Suncast won't be a waste of your time. This is really consistent with our mission, which is to create a planet run by the sun and to really try to make a difference in climate change. That was Ann Hoskins, Chief Policy Officer from Sunrun. Tune in Thursday as Ann and I discuss how policy really does underlie everything we're doing. Thanks to those of you who applied to the coaching spots we had open. We are working through the applications, and I'm delighted to be onboarding some of you very soon. Appreciate you action takers out there. To all my current tribe members, speaking of action takers, you rock, and I'm eternally grateful for your patronage. You do make Suncast better. You can join them. Just go to mysuncast.com forward slash member. I look forward to formally welcoming you into the tribe too, my friend. And thanks again for showing up. It's half the battle.